The We Are Dog Nation podcast reports and opinions are not those of the UGA. This is not yet an official podcast of the University of Georgia. So Clemson's regained the lead now. 
and get autographs and eat food and have a good time. I miss those days. I wish that would come back, but hey, if it means getting a national championship, hey, I'm all for it. I am all for it. But as you can, oh, pop, pop tell, as you can tell in the title, Mama's right. You're wrong, ESPN. We are running back you. I kind of borrowed that title from the water boy. You know, Mama's right. You're wrong, Colonel Sanders. <laughs> are you kidding me? ESPN put out a list. ESPN put out a list of running back you of the top 10 schools that are considered running back university. I'm not saying we got to be number one. I'm not saying we got to be in the top five, which I do believe we belong in the top five. But out of 10 schools, you don't have Georgia not there not once. And you put us down for linebacker university, but you ain't put us down for running back university? Are you kidding me? So before I go off my tangent here, spread a little more good news. For those, I mean, appreciate everybody heard by now, but if you haven't heard by now, we did pick up a six foot six and a half, 327 pound offensive lineman, four star out of um, League City, Texas. Sam Pittman does it once again. And a quick Sam Pittman story, real quick, I thought it was so amazing. Tate Rutledge at the opening last month was uh, doing his thing, he was at the opening, blocking some of the top uh, defenders in the country. And this one guy who in the class of 2021 was getting the best of him. And so he called Sam Pittman and said, you know, send the video footage. He said, what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? And Sam Pittman told him to do this, do that, and the other. And the next day, he dominated the same guy who beat him on the one-on-one pass drills. I'm so grateful Sam Pittman is there. That, that's just, just a wonderful testament of the type of offensive lineman he's bringing into UGA and what he's able to do, how to coach them up and turn them and develop those offensive linemen into top top-tier offensive linemen. It's just great. But I'm talking about offensive line to bring up, if you're going to have a great offensive line, that's going to produce great running backs. So speaking of commits, speaking of running backs, we pick up the number four running back in the country, 22 overall, five-star, Kendall Milton out of Fresno, California. Pretty sure everybody know that by now. Or if not, hey, we got another five-star running back Committed, and we might get another one on the way. Who knows what Zachary Evans is going to do? Who knows what uh, Tank Bisbee is going to do? Tank Bisbee, who's actually the uh, top 50 of the four-star, but who knows what those guys are going to do? And so we'll see here as the, as the time rolls on. But back to ESPN telling us we're not in the top, we're not in the top 10 at running back university? Are you kidding me? I mean, good. okay, Herschel Walker alone was so good, in my opinion, he could have alone put us at the top ten. So you, you, somebody dropped the ball. Somebody dropped the ball hard. So I, I let them research, and which I, you know, let me pull up just a few names that came through UGA at a running back position. You know, and a lot of great running backs came because Herschel Walker was there. So of course, at the top of my list would be Herschel Walker. But how do you, how do you step over us being running back university when we had, we got guys like Nick Chubb. Todd Gurley, Son Michelle, who are all stars for their team right now. Okay. Two of them just played in the Super Bowl. No Sean Marino, Garrison Hurst, Rodney Hampton, 
Tim Worley. I do believe Rodney Hampton and Tim Worley were first-round draft picks, if, not, if I'm not mistaken. But they definitely will play NFL for a moment. Robert Ed was a first-round draft pick, had a horrible knee injury that, that stopped him. But he was a first-round draft pick to the uh, Patriots. Terrell Davis, oh, he's just only one of six players in NFL history who rushed more than 2,000 yards in the season. Musa Smith, Craig Lunkin, Thomas Brown, Danny Ware, who all play in the NFL. And I know it was a long time ago, you know, the 1940s, but Frank Sandwich, Charlie Trippy, and, and today, you got DeAndre Swift, you got Brian Herron, who pulled for a, break, a great breakout season. I know they haven't done anything yet to the point to make you go wild, but I have great faith in uh, Zamir White and James Cook. And then, although he stayed one year and got put out, we pulled in the number one uh, running back in the country in 2011 in Isaiah Crowell. He got put out for doing something stupid, but again, he's in the pros. He came to Georgia first. And even though uh, Caleb King did not have the best career, he was still the number four running back in the country. How do you not? How do you have the audacity to say UGA is not running back you in the top 10? Look here. Mama's right. ESPN, you're wrong. We are running back you. We should be in the top five. I mean, really? And now I'm picking another five-star killer Milton? And you thought we had success before the running back position. <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. Because now we're going to have the best linemen in the country coming year after year after year. Do you realize in this 2020 NFL draft, we just might have, I'm, I'm pretty sure, unless Ben Cleveland decides to stay, which I don't think he will, because he's a red shirt junior, you're going to have four offensive linemen taken in the first two rounds. And I really believe we might have three taken in the first round. You know what's going to continue to do for the offensive linemen coming to Georgia? Not only are we running back you, we're about to turn the offensive line you. And we're going to keep pulling the best running backs in the country. So maybe someday down the road, ESPN, next time they'll get it right. But I can't believe we got snubbed on being running back you. You got to be kidding me. But it's fall. It's time. I posted on my uh, on, on Twitter and I posted on my Facebook page. I walked outside. I saw a leaf on the ground. And for all I'm concerned, it's fall season. It's the most wonderful time of the year. So normally I play a little something different in between this break here. But I'm going to kind of go into the break and play a little Andy Williams. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I know it's a Christmas song. But hey, for dog fans, for football fans, August, preseason football, college football, uh, practice, all that stuff, the reports, the rumors coming out, who's doing what. Yo. It is the most wonderful time of the year. Be right back. Going to talk about a certain quarterback who we all love. I hope we all love. We should all love. Wants to wear black jerseys. Oh, please let it be. Please, please let it be. All right. Be right back. Don't go anywhere.
And we are back on the We Are Dog Nation podcast. Welcome back. Black jerseys. It looks so pretty. It looks so pretty with the silver britches. Well, I guess gray britches now. It used to be silver britches. The, with, the, with the gray and uh, the red helmet, it looks so pretty. But it has a bad taste in some people's mouths. Some people say yes. Some people say no. And this bulldog over here says yes. Bring them back. Bring them out. Bring them night games. We only seen the black jerseys outside of the spring game one time. That was uh, against Louisiana Lafayette in the first year on the Kirby Smart. So, it's just, I just want, I want to see it. And guess who else want to see it? Guess who else want to see it? Jake Fromm. He wants to wear them September 21st under the lights, 7 o'clock versus Notre Dame. He wants to wear the black jerseys just one time. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that Kirby just listens and just trusts his team, trusts the leadership, trusts the guys there. And he gives in and say, finally, you know what? You you can wear the black jerseys. Don't let me down. You let me down, we're going to do it again. But just, just give us that shot. Give us that one more opportunity. Wear those black jerseys to come out there. And just wear them, but we're gonna see. We're gonna see. Kirby can be hard man convinced. We're gonna see because this is why. For those of you who don't know, why Kirby Smart is so against the black jerseys. Now, the very first time in a little history the black jerseys made an appearance was 2007 at the Auburn game. They blacked it out, came out in their black jersey. That game was amazing. It was amazing. Then they did it again against Hawaii and. We beat Hawaii now. We beat Auburn now. And so next following year, hey, let's do it again. We got a night game. We're facing Alabama. And yeah. Kirby said he saw how fired up they was. How motivated they was to play us when they, when we wore those black jerseys. And I think Nick Saban said something to the nature of they wore those black jerseys to intimidate us. But they don't know they're dressing up for their own funeral. Whew. That was cold. Man, that was cold. But halftime, I believe, was like 31-0. We tried to make a comeback, I think, comeback. But, yeah, it, uh, it was like 41-30, I think the final score was. And, of course, to win that game. Uh, and so, Kirby remembers that. He remembers that game, how far the Alabama was and, to face us because they felt kind of like insulted that we wore those black jerseys. And that's why he's so against it. But you know, it's a new, it's a new era. It's a new teams. It's a new culture. This is not, you know, I, I, mean, I kind of see how Georgia's kind of, we were kind of high on thinking we're going to beat Alabama because we had just beat them overtime the year before. But it, it backfired. And then we, for some crazy reason, we wore it down in Jacksonville, we wore the black helmets and the black pants and the white jersey and got our behinds whipped. But that team wasn't that good. This is a new team. And it just may fire, up, fire us up more so to go out and dominate Notre Dame come the 21st. So hopefully, Jake and the guys can convince Kirby because that would be a miraculous sight to see those black jerseys bust out on that, on that Saturday night in Athens, Georgia 
at a night game under the lights. Oh my goodness! If that happens, I gotta find my way down after that day. I have to I have to be in the stadium. That would be amazing. So we'll see. The black jerseys to be continued. Will the discussion for black jerseys be, be to be continued? But it was a big time recruiting weekend in Athens, Georgia. Which, well, a lot of schools had it, but who cares? Big time recruiting weekend in Athens, Georgia. We had like 10 five stars to show up in Athens, Georgia to the big cookout and celebration. Just to, you know, have all type of recruits down there. And one recruit in particular said he had the best time of his life in his business. And he felt real comfortable around the guys. That's a really great sign. I love hearing that. Uh, it was Darnell Washington, our Las Vegas, Nevada. Six, seven and a half, 260-pound athlete who's going to play a tight end. Now, here's the beauty part about that. If we can land him, he's, a, he's the number one athlete in the country. If we, if we can land him on top of Eric Gilbert, the 6'6", 250-pound Number two athlete in the country, out of Marietta, out of Marietta High School, who said he's gonna wait about three games to see what they're gonna do with their offense with the tight ends, and see what see what they're gonna do. And he might and that that give his decision to commit to Georgia. So everybody expecting him to commit to Georgia, and then Kirby came out and said, you know, he's expecting Charlie Warner, the senior tight end, to have a big year. So, if we do right with, with new offense, well, not new offense, but add on offense and under uh, new offensive coordinator and James Duke and James Coley, we're going to see possibly two dynamic five star tight ends commit in the same class. Oh my goodness. Not to mention, Keely Ringo, one of the top defensive backs in the country, was really feeling Georgia. I, I, just think, I think he's really probably. The most, I can call him the most committed, uncommitted uh, prospect in the country when it comes to uh, coming to Georgia. I, I, like I said, like I said in the last podcast, I'll be shocked if Taylor Milton did not commit. And you see, he committed. And I want to say the same thing about Keely uh, Ringo, who can, who's good enough to play right away. Well, like a four three five forty, that guy going. He's like, he had five passes thrown to his side of the ball. Nine times last year. I mean, in nine games last year. Five passes in nine games thrown to his side of the field last year. That's how dominant he is. He, he He's had a one for him and his mom was down there, had one for had one for time. And then Zachary Evans showed up. Now there's this photo that was posted on social media. It was a Darnell Washington, Zachary Evans, Keely Ringo. And current commit, um, Carson Beck. All, you know, in their uniform, the George uniform, and putting a finger on their face mask and say, shh, I saved that photo. I'm hoping, oh, I'm so hoping they all come. And then Noah Sewell, who could possibly be the very first uh, Polynesian football player in Georgia history to come to UGA, who just got ranked as a five-star, six-foot-two, 260 pounds, one of 475, uh, 40, very dominant, who could play play right away. 
he's put uh, George in the top eight. And he had booked his official visit for September 21st. The Notre Dame game, the night game. So that would be so, so freaking amazing. So amazing. If we can pull in, if 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 we have those black jerseys while Noah Sue was there. Whoo! Get ready, doll, doll fans. Doll fans, get ready. I'm telling you, I've been saying it. I may sound like a broken record at times, but I'm, look, get ready. This ride on the Kirby Smart is going to be a wonderful ride. It is great to be a Georgia Bulldog fan. I'm telling you right now, if you know somebody, tell them. Get on the bandwagon while you can. Switch your teams while you can. Because once it takes off, hey, we ain't letting nobody else on. Okay? Now, last time I talked to you guys, so, uh, we had the SEC Media Days and, you know, Kirby came out and talked and, and Jake Fromm was there and Andrew Thomas and, and GRE. And the motto is do more. I didn't have that, the do more motto. I took that motto. I, I've even taken that motto to apply to my my daily life, my working out. You know, what can I do more to get, get in better shape? What can I do more to lose, uh, getting more healthy, losing more weight? What can I do more to get to the next level? I'm taking that, that motto that George and Kirby Smart is using and applying it to my life. And so he was talking about doing more. Even cracked a joke about, you know, what can they do to get past Alabama? He said, you know, stop their, sec- stop their second string cornerback. Well, I thought that was pretty funny. But then something happened at SEC Media Days that I just was not expecting. I was just not expecting at all. Now, f- for those of you who know Bama fans, you know, for me, the ones I know or hear about, they get on my freaking nerves. It's a lot of bandwagoners anyway. It's, it's just, they could be jerks. But anyway, the players I got a lot of respect for because they said something. They said, you know, who's the toughest team that y'all played? And they said the toughest team we played was Georgia. Dylan Moses said that, you know, uh, after going against Georgia, I felt like I was in a brawl and my body was sore for a couple of days. Jerry Judy said the same thing. And then come to find out, some of the players from South Carolina said the same thing, that Georgia's the most physical team they played, the toughest team they played. And come to find out, every, literally every team we faced in SEC who faced us said we're the most physical team they played. I'm like, wow. That says a lot how the culture has changed at Georgia. But it did not go unnoticed. Can you say somebody Phyllis got hurt? You got a national championship. Why, why your Phyllis hurt? Clemson Phyllis got hurt. Well, you know, if that's the case, uh, Notre Dame is the toughest team that we played. Oh, my goodness. Clemson? They didn't say y'all was, that, that we were the better team, which we probably were, but we were the better team. They just said we are the most physical team. The tougher team. Like, prime example. Let me go old school on you for a second. You know, if you had a, if I had a face against, if I played linebacker, and I had to tackle Earl Campbell versus tackling Barry Sanders, who could be harder to bring down as far as, like, contact once I hit him? It's going to be Earl Campbell. 
because he's bigger and he's tougher. Now, it might be, might be harder or, or to bring down Barry Sanders because he's too quick. But once you, once you wrap him up, the brain down, it's going to be Earl Campbell. So, they took physical with and more aggressive with, you know, not being good enough. So, that leads me to this. Here's my prediction. And let's see how it go. Because Clemson, you know, plays nobody, like always. And they just lost, um, what, five, four, five offensive linemen, oh, no, excuse me, defensive linemen to the uh, NFL draft. And their linemen they got now, they got two linemen. One lineman like 300 pounds, other defensive lineman like 290. And literally all the other linemen are like, 240, 250, 260, 245. They're limiting the light. Here's my prediction because I just believe that sometimes football, sports, period, has a way of telling a wonderful story. You know, Alabama and Georgia played each other just in the second year under Kirby Smart. Here's second year Kirby Smart facing long, long-term balls, Nick Saban in a, in a championship game. You know, certain stories have a way of just being great storyline stuff come up. Being that Clemson Phillips was hurt, the Alabama said, you know, we're, we're the tougher, more physical team. And being that got a, Clemson has a, a cupcake schedule in the ACC, being that it's like a perfect storm is brewing for Georgia, everything is in the right place. This got to be the this, this this gonna have to be the year to do it because we don't know exactly what we got and our quarterbacks coming back. We'll be, we'll be we'll be okay in the long run, but this like everything's prime for this year. It's like it's set up for something special. Here's my prediction: Georgia, Clemson, national championship game in New Orleans, New Orleans Louisiana. Going back to the same spot they, you know, kind of didn't do so well before last year. And not to mention, on our schedule, I think like five or six of the same teams we played in 1980, like Texas A&M, Notre Dame, that we played in 80, is on our schedule again in 2019. Like a perfect storm is brewing. So I hope that's the case. My prediction, we face Clemson, and we beat Clemson by 10. And we're national champs. Maybe by 7. We're national champs. We'll see. We shall see how right I am or, or who we face. Or who knows? It, who knows? It may even be Washington. How, how would that work out? Think about that. What, what, if, we, what if Washington made it to the, the finals? And we beat Washington. And Jacob Easton's the quarterback. It should be kind of interesting to see the storyline that's going to come out behind this. But anyway, normally, I kind of do my dummy of the moment. But I'm kind of switch it up. This is the DGD. Dang good dog. I'm keeping it clean. Uh, family show. Dang good dog for the moment. We love the dang good dog, but, you know, of the moment, I should say. Chris Conley. Who, by the way, won number 31 at UGA. Uh, 
It'll be 31 days tomorrow, August 30, on July 31st, left to go to kickoff. He's in Jacksonville, Georgia now. Jacksonville, Florida now, playing for the Jaguars. He's at training camp. And he signed autographs. And he sees a little kid. He's like, what, 12 years old? I don't know. He's like, he's like maybe 13. He's a kid. With a Florida Gator shirt on. Gators suck. <laughs> now, that's a darn good dog. That's a darn good dog. I love it. Tell a kid to his face, the little Florida Gator shirt on, hey, they suck. They won't let you know. And by the way, it's been over a thousand days since Florida beat Georgia. And, and it's going to be thousands of more days. So anyway, that's it for today's show. Uh, as always, I appreciate you guys. If you are a first-time listener, thank you so much for listening to me. Please come back. Tell somebody about it. If you are a return listener, thank you so much for listening to me. Uh, spread, the good, spread, spread, spread the word. Tell everybody about the show. And uh, thank you always for your support. Love, you know, love talking about our Bulldogs here. And I looked down and I saw, I'm not sure if you was on vacation or you just there or were you doing missions or not, but I see where somebody was listening to the podcast. I have listened over in Zambia, East Africa. Man, this, the, the We Are Down Nation podcast is, is international because UGA is an international school, international brand, and it's gold dogs all over this globe. Okay? So, until next time, I do plan on coming back uh, about mid-August for another podcast. And definitely, the week of, and probably the week leading up, like, maybe like that Monday or Tuesday leading up to that Saturday, do one last podcast before the big game, and then, of course, when the season starts, I do a podcast the following Sunday uh, after each uh, each game. So, but until then, have a great Bulldog Day, a great Bulldog Week, a great Bulldog Month, and remember, it's here now. Football season here, and it's the most wonderful time of the year. Until next time, guys, as always, go dogs, sickle. Ooh, ooh, ooh.